When I was a very little girl, I remember the sweetness of being told stories, not many, but several stories of deep significance to the elder telling the story. My great uncle Arthur Sterling Halpin, my maternal grandmother, Cora Spear Wonderlich, Cora Elizabeth Spear Wonderlich, for whom I am named. My paternal grandmother, Anna Marguerite Harhin, for whom I am also named. There are other elders who bequeathed the loving wisdom of their embodied stories to me. But I name these four people because they were very significant to me and the quality of the heritage they entrusted to my soul. The fourth person I don't name, I leave as the quintessential companion, the equation of the many souls who shaped my life, that there might be adequate virtue and discernment to the length of my days, every breath, every moment, everywhere. So what is the companion? Who is he? Who is she? Who are they? Well, <clears throat> in our modern world, we have an extreme identification with personal meaning. Who am I? Who are you? you know, this is my truth. This is my identity. You know, you don't take my identity seriously enough. <clears throat> and of course, no one will ever be able to match all the projections of every breath you are expressing out to the world as an individual self. Because that individual self is but one atom in the body of the universe of God. So it is of complete consequence as that one atom. Yet it is only of consequence in reality next to the atom of your mother and your father and your grandmothers and grandfathers and ancestors all the way back in time upon this earth, throughout this cosmos, in what is understood and not remembered. How will I remember enough of who I am to find who I am, to become who I am? Well, <clears throat> a significant part of that understanding or realization is based upon mystery. The moment shared by your mother of something which occurred very beautiful in her life or very harmful in her life. The moment, ah, in this place, son, daughter, I experienced this when I was a babe, a boy, in utero, a man. And we realized, ah, oh, father. So there are so many places and times which we do not have understanding of, and yet they comprise part of who we are as the child of such beings. And then there are all the other people we're connected to, Adam by Adam by Adam by Adam, this aunt or uncle, this niece or nephew, <clears throat> this ancestor, this person who was a pioneer saving one of our ancestors or harming them. And so the larger body 
comprises the universe and within it the planet earth the forests of all trees all creatures who are sentient all human beings so there is when we pause between breaths and we move from the exhalation toward the next inhalation there is this truly awesome experience oh and in awe we enter the moment of time upon this space where we are sitting or standing or lying down or moving or still oh and we receive in that breath wherever we are in our incarnation life atom to atom to atom to atom all throughout the cells which comprise my body to those which comprise yours and the next person and the next person the great mystery of that relationship is our path oceanic sublime filled with the majesty of the holiness which is the grace of God. What a privilege it is to be alive. And then we move in that pausing between breaths as we let go of the in-breath and begin to move out into the mystery until we receive ah, the life of the next breath, the privilege of the life that is given to us in that next moment and in that living capacity of the study of enlightenment in the breathing we enter the same classroom the buddha was within in his last days isn't that interesting we enter the breath jesus expressed as he turned to his concept of god the father and expired left the body we might ask what happened then to the Buddha what happened then to Jesus what happens next to you and me we all have beliefs <clears throat> based upon the cultures in which we have been raised with all of their nuances of race, religion, region, politics, permission, invalidation, and that roadmap of what is allowed and disallowed in the cells of the people beside us and behind us in time tries to comprise a map through which we can find our way into the future. And the life force in each of us tries to survive so when we meet another being, some of us are fortunate enough to be taught to look for God in the other being and bow to that principle of the great mystery moving through that soul and this one and oneself. This respectful relationship then allows each of us the opening as we exhale, all three of us, to the next moment in that space where each of the three of us ex exist physically. And we first receive the 
aspiration toward the mystery being received in that next breath. Oh, how wonderful to see you. Oh, how are you? Oh my goodness, my enemy, why are you here arguing with me? As I observe that we are beyond enmity in the next breath and the next. And then we have a solution. The peace that passeth all understanding of heaven on earth. Oh, your path and yours and mine. Oh my goodness. Why are we not taught adequately about this? Well, it requires the mystery allowed to enter that threshold, that opening, that doorway, that window through which we look clearly. Receiving the mystery and then asking, are you thirsty? Shall I share the water I have here with you? And are you hungry? I, you have a beautiful peach my friends in Colorado gave to me. So lovely, would you like to have it? Or shall we cut it in three so each of the three of us has a piece? A perfection of summer mountains, resplendent in orange and deep coral color perfect in its ripeness. And the next breath, we move in a surrender or an offering of vulnerability into how God can touch each of the three of us together and yet as individuals. And in that next moment, the mystery reveals itself through how we allow that to be expressed in union with the divine and a sense of union with the divine in you and in you and in myself. This would always be our classroom. And in this, we have a momentary experience that the atoms within the cells of our incarnation become the willing vessel of that path. And this is very beautiful. It's very elegant. It's also very humble. It is life itself. Oh, and you who are alive, and you who are alive, and I who am alive. I rarely see this spoken of adequately in resonance of relationship to heaven between and among individuals. It's one of the most extraordinary and beautiful perceptions to me of what the human race is about, what life is about, and what one's human destiny is about, and capacity for all of the great virtues. And then in the moments when love is truly born between us as individuals or among us, this is why I'm using three. So it's among us. Three of us are sharing the peach. How, how very beautiful. We find that there's no argument. It is rather that we three are in school together. Being able to share the mystery. And yet we do have an adequate understanding of that mystery to have the privilege of being alive together side by side with the tasks at hand, the known qualities of our stories at hand, 
and a safe pathway because the next breath faced in that direction will never fail us in God. Whether our breath goes on for a multitude of years or we are at the end of our days and someone is sitting beside a dying person as they breathe quietly in their last years. So I'm going to use examples from my own personal life in the last years of Father Thomas Keating, the last, the late Father Thomas Keating, and his abbot, Abbot Joseph Boyle, the late Abbot Joseph Boyle. They were together at St. Benedict's Monastery up in this enormous bowl of 6,000 square acres, up above Aspen in the mountains, a great mountain bowl of alpine meadow. And a monastery was built there in the 1950s through the resources of Father Keating's rather elite family. He dedicated his, his inheritance for this monastery to be composed. And so the two men lived side by side. Father Keating, the renowned theologian and writer and peacemaker, working with figures from all of the world's great religions using his contemplative experience of cloistered dwelling in almost complete silence within the St. Benedict's rule of order, building a contemplative solitude so vast that when he would meet an argument from another world leader, brilliant, erudite, incredible in their capacity to speak, write, pray, chant, sing, compose, philosophize. He would behave, meaning the mystery in the next breath. And when a group of people wanted to have a huge argument with him in his later years, probably in his 80s, he famously turned to them when they just wouldn't stop arguing, and he said, you know, my God is greater than this. And they all went into that next breath, as we do now. So let us go in geography to one of the most beautiful places I have been privileged to see. Blaine, who's worked beside me, or I beside him, for almost 40 years. And I had the privilege of going up into Colorado this last week for several purposes, and engaged with work and community and close friendships. And we commenced the journey at my request by going to an area where I had first visited it when I journeyed to meet Father Keating at his invitation to be one of the 20 participants in his last of 31 years of the, the Snowmass Dialogues at St. Benedict's Monastery, wherein he invited figures from the human race to come together to vulnerably experience a living prayer, that in that dialogue we might be a microcosm of where the world was headed. He offered that direction. And so I was invited to the last physical year of those experiences. Coming into the Aspen area in the 1950s, Father Keening had looked at various areas hoping to find a geography open and unsullied 
in which a monastery might be composed to move into the future, caretaking the traditions of great monasteries and convents from his Roman Catholic faith tradition, so that monks could step away from the world to live, ora et labora, prayer and work in Latin, from the rule of St. Benedict, that they could pray for the whole human race and all of creation, the way men and women have done for thousands of years, but in his tradition have done historically as Christians since the first century AD. He wanted to create or compose a physical gift of dedication to which he turned himself and then moved into that area for about almost seven decades of his life. So he was hiking from the area between the town of Aspen and a town called Snowmass at Aspen, which is, I don't know how many miles apart they are, but they're over certain ridges and, and parts of, a, of, of um, the, the White River National Forest. And so he was hiking, I believe, with two other men. And they famously came over a rise and saw this bull before them. And he had the experience in the mystery of heaven, the mystery of God, the mystery of the universe, here, this place. Vast, sublime. And there he purchased the land. The monastery was built. Decisions were made about how to manage it. Francis said to me, why wasn't Father Keating the abbot? I said, well, they tried his being the abbot for a while in various segments of his earlier life, and he realized, I'm not to do that. I'm, I'm to use my authority in a different manner, going out into the world and bringing centering prayer, which he and Father Menninger and Father Pennington, Basil Pennington and William Menninger and Father Keating created together three of them as monastic companions, figuring out a way to pray and practice so that one might be able to reach in solitude, yet beside other human beings, a, companion, a companionable ability to live the next moment as if one were in holy communion at every breath, every instant, safely each atom of one's cells able to enter that place. Individual monks, all three of them, great friends and colleagues, all three of them, creating a body of living prayer so that what one is studying is the safety of dwelling, not in solitude as being isolated or alone, but in the solitude of three great quaking aspen trees in the mountains, which come from the same root. You know, the largest beings in the world are a grove of aspen trees in the northwestern areas of the United States and the Great Barrier Reef. They are the two largest or most consolidated companions 
which are considered by scientists to each be one being. Well, so is the human race, if we would only realize this. When the Buddha shattered the roof beam of his mind, he experienced enlightenment. Oh, the Texan would say, all of y'all's mind. All of us, all my relations, as the Plains Native American tribes might say, Omitakuyasin. Or we might say the sacred heart of Jesus, the love of the Christ. So the three men from Father Keating having hiked into this area composed the building of a great monastery and that is where Father Keating and I first met. In the last meeting, we were told that medically he wouldn't be able to sit with us. He was too sick. And if one stood beside him, this man who was six feet, five inches tall, handsome, clear-eyed, of extraordinary education and humor, broad-shouldered, tall, erect posture, sophisticated, very well-dressed, whether in his monastic robes, his Cistercian Trappist robes, or in a beautiful lambswool sweater or trousers. His breath was that of a dying man, and yet he lived for almost five years after I met him. Privately, really, we would send him pajamas, warm flannel ones, because the companionable nature of our relationship was such that I was cold when his pajamas were inadequate. And I would say to John and Blaine, I, I need to get some pajamas or gloves for Father Keating. But Father Benninger was also still alive and I would realize I need to send gloves to him too. He lived in a silence which wasn't coming out into the world to lecture, but was still subdued internal at the monastery. And yet there are books you can buy of his photographs of the of the bowl and the mountains and the snow or the spring flowers. These companions of mine. And Father Bennington Pennington, who lived who died some years ago, another guardian ancestor beside me, this companion of those two men and of me. They never fail me in their contemplative prayer. Someone might ask, are they around you? I go, I, I'm just practicing the way that they taught me with that beautiful body of contemplation. They lived every breath as best they were able, and I will do so as a companion beside them. So Father Keating, we were told, would not come to the last meeting. He'd come to the first, sort of against medical orders, but he was very independent, and he was listening to his medical physicians, and yet he came to greet us for that last time and spent this beautiful evening with us, which I'll go into in a moment. But we were told he won't be able to come back. He's not well enough. So we were sitting in a circle and looking up, who came in the door with the pauses in his breathing of a dying person. 
with which I'm very comfortable. I've just done hospice work since about 1980. So when one comes into a room and a person is dying naturally and comfortably, all of a sudden they skip a breath or the breath is sort of adequate and then not quite adequate. And so the mystery of God in them as we're beside them is, oh, you and I are starting to be together without your body. I can still feel mine so strongly in my next breath. There's your breath again. Here we are. Oh, there you've gone again, back into heaven. Here you are again. So Father Keating sat in that meeting with us with the diligence of practice as his breath was maybe 25% not with us. And yet he was everywhere. And that tall, great soul sat right next to me at my left-hand side in this beautiful room at the retreat center, this huge, gorgeous domed room looking out over the valley. And he expressed one aspiration to our group. He asked us to continue the contemplative prayer work and to continue the work of the snow mass at Aspen of St. Benedict's dialogue. And I could feel the moods of various people around me. I don't propose that I understand all of any part of us, even of myself. But as we were sitting together in our community of communion and beside this great spiritual master, I experienced between him and myself something going out from within our faith and our love for God as companions beside one another with the other people he had invited. A seed like an acorn going out into the whole cosmos. And I was absolutely confident, aware as humanly as is possible in whatever intelligence and humility I comprise that in that understanding between Father Keating and myself and our group faithfully gathered together from around the world, that the aspiration of Father Keating would succeed. I was completely dedicated to this. It was evident to me in everything in me that loves God and is alive. Oh, Father Keating, my companion, what a blessed woman am I. Father Menninger, covered by my bronze-colored afghan I carried up for you as your body aged and you were away visiting family. And across the holy water font, Abbot Joseph Boyle took that afghan. I will give it to him upon his return from his family and tell him it is from you. Thank you, Abbot Boyle. And Father Basil Pennington beside us in the heavens as Father Keating and I sat, and then I watched his breath, strong, then skipping a breath. And then at the end of that meeting, gathering himself to stand up and leave us physically to go back to the monastery, which we were only allowed to enter uh, for a tour and to come in from certain services during our 
our time with him. So if you're privileged to visit a Cistercian or Trappist monastery or to visit St. Benedict's up in the beautiful bowl above Snow Mass, you'll find that there is only one time generally you can go into the church there. Other than that, the monks are cloistered, living in contemplative prayer and practice for all of humankind, all of creation. So the quality of this meeting as companions happens so naturally when there is simply the love in us for the divine and we are embodying that practice as our dedicated path. When we meet another human being, we find that within them there is the quality of their own heart and soul and breath which if turned to the divine and open to the mystery is able to meet a companion. When we turn to causations and theologies and thoughts and emotions which don't allow the divine in another being, we tend to judge them. Oh, you're from that faith. You, you're, you're from the wrong race. Well, you just don't really understand, and I'm not going to let you understand. Take the next breath. Oh, I let all that go. And I let the mystery, which is in every atom of the universe, including in myself, I let that mystery meet me. Ah, I'm letting go of that last breath so that what comes in as I breathe in is that great mystery of God, which as it moves in the atoms of my own incarnation, turns heavenward and meets itself in the breath and heart and soul and aspiration of Father Keating, of Abbot Joseph Boyle, and all that they set in their intention that the human being might be able to become. So when we went this time, I went alone when I was there some years ago. Blaine and I were able to go together, my companion of work these four decades. And we drove up the road to the monastery, first to the retreat house, then down to the monastery, coming into the private room where you can look in to just the chapel's altar and stained glass, beautiful beloved stained glass window beyond it, into the bookstore, and then out. We stayed in the town of Aspen, very close, about a block away from where I had stayed alone when I was there some years before, before I went up to the monastery then. And I came in to acclimate to the uh, Altitude, which is hard for my, my certain parts of my health and body. So we came and stayed there before going up for several days to stay with friends and colleagues and see different families. Coming into Aspen, I said to Blaine, well, we have one day here. Maybe we could drive to Maroon Bells. He asked, what is it? I said, well, it's a beautiful wilderness area. It's two mountains. They're both over 14,000 feet. They are considered by people who named them to be like two great bells made of maroon or burgundy-colored rock. 
rising up maybe a kilometer apart from one another. They're so beloved. They're part of the National Forest. They're part of the wilderness area Father Keating was hiking in when he found the bull. They are, for me, the guardian image archetypally of the bells of heaven ringing for the human race. In what I'm speaking of today, they are two companion mountains. We drove, and a lovely woman park ranger allowed permission for us to come and drive all the way up and park in a handicapped area so that we could open the doors for me to see out over the stream and trees and up to the mountains. And Blaine went and had a glorious walk just out among the aspects of nature there. Such a day. We two companions, Blaine and I, beside two companions of the mountains, in the arena which Father Keating walked in, that every being might learn to become from first breath to last breath, a companion of Jesus, a companion of the Buddha, a companion of the seed like a great acorn that all of us are seeking to find. May we all become that worthy companion, alone and together.